0: This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect.
1: Hi, I'm Sandra McCarron. I'm the founder and CEO of The Collective Child. And what I love about retail is that it lives in the perfect intersection between art and science. It's an industry where I and gut matter just as much as logic and data. And so I get excited waking up every day to think about that emotional reaction for a customer as much as all of the data analytics that are driving that reaction.
0: From New York City, you're listening to Retail Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the retail industry.
2: Hey everybody and welcome to the show. I'm Mark Rako and with me of course as usual is Rebecca Fitz. Hi Rebecca. Hi Mark. Here we are from our respective homes. Great to talk with you. How are you doing Rebecca? Uh, everything okay considering? Uh,
0: everything is a-okay.
2: <laughs> a-okay. I like that. My grandfather used to say that every time. I don't know how you are. A-okay. Exactly. It's definitely oh, an old term. <laughs> I like that. That's okay. We're old souls, right? (laughs) Also with us, someone who I have a a strange feeling is also perhaps an old soul uh, is, uh, of course, Sandra uh, from The Collective Child. Sandra, thank you so much for joining us and and taking time out of what I imagine is a very demanding period of time for you, maybe more so than usual. So welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
2: We'll unpack your, your business a little bit more later, but so much of your business you know obviously your business is in in the luxury space uh with children and uh, children's apparel and it's also uh relies so much on community and word of mouth we want to dive deeply into that but given the time that we're in right now with the pandemic at the time we're recording this uh you uh I'm very interested to know how this has affected the way that you operate your business has this Hurt you in different ways? Are you just right along with the rest of us, or has this actually this business model and this way of doing things uh, been a saving grace for you?
1: So I think all of us have been impacted by this in at some capacity, some more than others. Um, so there's there's definitely a meaningful impact that COVID has had on the way that we run the business and um, our general operations, but I think, within the context of so much difficulty, I think we're actually faring quite well. And I think it's exactly for what you just mentioned, is that we are very much a community driven uh, company, and our members are all, you know, sort of one or two degree to each other. And they've really rallied for our business and have supported us through this process. And they've done that in a few ways. Um, one, they've they've always been incredibly vocal when there's a challenge that they're feeling with the service. And having those voices early on in Covid, we were able to react quite quickly to that feedback and adapt our company practices and our model. Um, based on that information that we were getting early on. And again, because of the way that our customer base is, it, once you hear it from a couple of people, you know that it's it's sort of the voice of our entire community. And so um, we've made some pretty important changes that have really helped us continue to operate and um, frankly, still grow uh, during this difficult time
0: and when you refer to challenges, I always think it's so interesting to talk about it. Could you you know give us an example of a challenge and kind of how you
1: reacted to it? Yeah, so I could probably mention a couple the first thing that you think about as a retailer's product is a product relevant under the current circumstances, and so we wanted to make sure that we adapted to our product selections based on the current environment. So obviously, people can't leave their houses. So they're looking for comfortable things um, that are still fun and exciting. Um, There's still events that are happening, but those events are taking different shapes. So we, we thought first on product and making sure that our assortments were more heavily tailored to current circumstances. And the second part is, there's an inherent difficulty with our model is that we have returns embedded into them, right? So you receive a box of curated selections and then you have seven days to try it on. And we facilitate that return process because we're anticipating, like most e commerce shoppers, that she's going to probably pick between three to four things among the 10 items that we selected for her. But what's different now is that they, our consumers and our members need to leave their apartment and their houses to drop those return off with UPS or um, any type of shipping provider. And so we wanted to, to obviously not expose them in that way. And so we did a couple of things. We extended try on periods um, with no questions asked. And we also actually enabled, and this was a pretty big initiative that we were able to pull off in about three days is we created a concierge service that allowed for our members to schedule at home pickups and our partners at UPS have been incredibly proactive with how they're handling shipments and pickups. They have no touch deliveries, no touch pickups. And so this, um, not only enabled us to pr- continue our operations, right? Cause that would have been a, a big hurdle, but it, it motivated a lot of members that to buy more frequently because our service had facilitated that wow. shopping
0: and their safety, which is, them. um, which is great. I'm still a uh, struggle a little bit because I think we're hearing, I don't know if there's been a compound, you know, leave the packaging outside for 24 hours and then unwrap it and, you know, um, lots of rules and regulations to kind of figure out. That's a great, um, great workaround.
2: You know, you, you have a, a uh one of the distinctions that is outlined in the information that you you share for uh for a conversation like this, Sandra is uh, being a a membership service versus a, a subscription service. Can you go through the distinction and how that's been a strength for you number one, but uh how that distinction may have actually been perhaps a strength for you right now and relate to what you were just talking about
1: so what was important for us when we established the guidelines of a membership was that we didn't we wanted to to be service driven um and with subscription models i think that there are benefits to that which is to me it's access right so you think of of netflix or hulu subscription provides access to content and things and so in that sense that's where we leaned on that model but where i think subscription can have a negative impact is Sometimes you don't need product monthly, or you don't you don't need all of the product that's being sort of shipped to you, either because you don't like it, you don't need it as frequently as 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 however those cadences are forced on you. Um, and so we wanted to provide access, but not force a cadence on our members, but rather um, have them decide how often they want to shop with us. And so it's a different way of thinking about it. I like to think of it as a third distribution channel. So you have brick and mortar and e-commerce. And this is, I think, a third distribution channel where, again, it's it's just a shopping method. It's a, it's a vehicle for consumers to shop for product. Um, and removing that subscription cadence allows for our members and our users to see it that way versus a sort of like a locked in. Aspect and so um, just to further clarify, what we've been able to do is you you can shop with us whenever you like. So you can do it monthly, quarterly, every two months. You can do it upon request. Um, So maybe it's a one-off because you're traveling somewhere and you need help um, putting together a box of ski items for your kids, or or you're you're having a wedding event and you need help with that. So that's that's why we were able to sort of. Create as much flexibility as possible with with the service.
2: Maybe this would be a great time to uh, unpack exactly what your business is. Uh, can you fill us in just for context of uh, exactly what your uh, you know unique approach to uh, to apparel uh, and and as a membership service your business is?
1: Yeah. So we are a personalized shopping platform uh focused on luxury children's clothing. So, members will sign up, create a profile with us and share their preferences and then based on that information, we curate a selection of clothing and ship it to their home. They have 7 days to try on the product and decide what they want to keep and return what they don't like. Um and so to to your point, Margaret, it, it feels like it's uh, during COVID in this time this model is a shop from home model. So for those that want to experience the product and, and get excited about product like I do, you, you can still do that in a very safe way using this, this channel. And so in that way, we've been able to um, maintain our operations and continue to grow through this like, difficult time.
0: And uh, I'm going to unpack one step further. I see that you spent um, quite a few years at Bloomingdale's, um, and I think we're always curious, um, you know, where did this idea come from? Uh, I'm sure your experience at Bloomingdale's helped you. Did you dream it up there? And, um, you know, what, what did you learn from Bloomingdale's that you're you're applying to the model?
2: And, and, and on top of that, like, how did you see this as a white space, that this is something that Needed to be addressed.
1: Yeah, I, I I love the fashion industry. I I grew up in the industry, as you mentioned. I I spent almost eight years at Bloomingdale's, um, and that experience was incredibly valuable in positioning me to launch this. Um, but particularly, it enabled me to to firsthand see the challenges that were facing the industry, and I just didn't feel that retailers were adapting fast enough to consumer behaviors. And so to me, um, the channels available to shop for brick and mortar, which had been declining um, for the last 10 years, and e-commerce that while continue to grow, I felt presented its own unique challenges. Most department stores and e-commerce retailers have a serious return problem Where. Most people buy 10 items and really only intend to keep two and a half. And on the other hand, personally, my family had shopped in in New York for many, many years, and they had built personal relationships with sales associates in different boutique stores. And the way that they were shopping, um, to me, was unique in the sense that because they build these strong relationships with these sales associates and these sales associates were working on commission, they would preempt what they would like and literally ship them just like a box of clothing via a messenger. And I would have, you know, my family just would try on the clothes and then return them whenever they uh, were done with them. And the credit card was processed like remotely. And so I thought, well, isn't that incredibly convenient? Like, And why does this not exist at scale? And no wonder our, these companies are unprofitable because they haven't built a model that can sustain that process. And so I think all of those environments and experiences that I was having at the same time sort of clicked that this, why don't we mimic consumer behavior and build the technology platform to profitably scale what consumers are already doing and want to do? Um, so that was really sort of that moment that clicked. And so I decided to launch this and fortunately we saw product market fit pretty early on. Um, we had a wait list of up to 1500 people at one point, And so it was. It has been clear to me, and even through this whole process, that this is. I think how consumers want want to shop. Um, they want a facilitated process of doing that.
0: It's really clienteling is kind of king um, in in your model, and and seems like what Bloomingdale's was doing for for your family, which is is totally true and cool. And I think Bloomingdale's might be one that survives, but the the future of the department store?
1: I mean, I think by the end of the year, we'll know. Uh, I I would agree. (laughs) You don't
0: have to call out any names. And obviously, you you sound fond of your your former employer. So, um, you know, all good. Um, I think a lot of people feel the same way.
2: I think things will be different if nothing else, I think we've, we've been forced into, it's like being thrown in the pool. I didn't want to get wet, but I knew I needed to get wet and I didn't know how to get wet. Someone threw me in the pool. And now I'm wet. And I, I can figure out what I do with that, you know, and, right. Right. Um, you know, you,
1: I, I think, I think it's just all a lot faster than we anticipated. I think there were, there's, there have been really strong indicators of how things were going to progress. It's just, Going to progress a lot faster than what we thought it would, and those that can adapt, I think will survive and and those that are unable to adapt, I think are going to have a really hard time.
0: Yeah, I'm curious also um, a, a little bit back on topic. Um, why children's clothing? why why that category? Uh, because obviously at Bloomingdale's, you can shop for you know almost anything.
1: Yeah, and, and actually my background at Bloomingdale's had nothing to do with children's clothing. I, I was in contemporary women's for, for most of my career there, and and I did a bit of men's as well. Um, I saw a huge opportunity in, in, in children's clothing. I was actually interviewing for, for a job that I did not get in the children's division, and through that interview process, I did an enormous amount of research on the market in the U.S., and Um, I saw a product opportunity. Um, There are only about 17 brands that own 70% of the market in the U.S. And to put that in perspective, it's about five times in in women's, the the amount of brands that own the market. And so I I just didn't think that there was a wide range of, of product. There was a lot of opening price point product um and really high end designer clothing and not a ton in between and my my background is is international and so I, I grew up abroad and I had access to a much different range of product and children's clothing growing up and so I saw it as a huge opportunity to create a market segment where I call it luxury but to me luxury can mean more than one thing it's, it's not just price point driven it's about quality product at a, a valued price and so where we succeeded was in finding that sweet spot of getting really fantastic again quality product um, but not that designer pr- prices and so um, that's where I saw the opportunity from a product standpoint and from a business model I, I i've always you know as as a female entrepreneur, I think about women and and what our lives look like every day and so in in looking forward and thinking about the women my coworkers um and my friends that were having kids and trying to balance a great deal uh at home, this model just lends itself to to her, right? To this to that person that I see and grew up with every day, um, particularly in my professional life. It's a time-saving process that values still style and quality. And so um, I thought it was a really great opportunity from both of those perspectives.
0: Amazing. And it certainly does speak to... Um... Yeah, female consumer. I mean, I think some people love shopping for children's clothing. Um, Some people might think it's a chore, but they're still probably they're getting that thrill um, even when they open a box from you. So um, they're... I'm sure this is going to be, you can kind of ding a couple of these out really easily, but um, it's not such a crowded marketplace. You know, you seem different from um, a primary or uh, a Rockets of Awesome. How how do you differentiate yourself from some other folks in the field or, or potential competitors?
1: Yeah. So we, I mean, the first distinction is that we're not private label. We don't actually produce or manufacture any of our products. We're we're true retailers. So the service that we're providing is brand discovery. Um, and we think there's real value in that. I think my wardrobe isn't made up of one pro- product or brand. I have, you know, I have product from a range of, of brands and price points. And I think that's how most consumers shop. And so our notion was really to transform and evolve that multi-retail uh, model, either e-commerce or board, or brick-and-mortar, and and facilitate it through this through this uh, business model. And so where we're mainly differentiated is that we actually are a brand discovery platform, and the second differentiator is our is obviously our price point. Um, we are in the contemporary luxury price point, And so that's incredibly unique to our model. Um, we don't really have competition from that uh, standpoint. Uh, that being said, a majority of my customers shop in all of these places, just like I would shop at Azara or Bloomingdale's or Saks. And
0: um, they're not mutually exclusive. Right, you know? right. The high to low. And um, yeah, that makes total sense. What else... Um... You know, by being a member of the collective child, um, you've pointed out a lot of things um, that they they get on the, you know, pure box, just, uh, just not getting a box, receiving it when they want it, how they want it. Um, what are some of the other benefits of being part of a membership?
1: Brand discovery is definitely a big part of what we do. So right now, if you think of how you discover brands, you most people follow an influencer online that speaks to their aesthetic. And that's how typically, at least I discover most of my brands through social media and word of mouth. Well, I like to think of us as an extension of that. So we, we sort of function as for that service, but we do it tailored to you. So the more you tell us, the more accurate we're going to be in the selection of products and brands for you. Um, I think the the best example for the value add of of our service is I was shopping yesterday um, online on Farfetch and I was looking for girl onesies. And after doing all of those filters, there were 353 options. For just like girl one day, wow. that's and so I just it, across multiple pages. So I don't i that can't be a pleasant or a, a like a rewarding use of time. So imagine. That there's a service out there that can actually find just the three onesies that they know I'm going to like and have it shipped to my house along with the pants and the top that I also need. And I'm still, there's still a shopping experience. I'm still selecting the product that I love, but it's just a curated version that's more tailored to my taste. And um it's, it, it's it, to be honest, like if if you think of that, even just as, as an adult shopper, that sounds wonderful. I would like to have that for myself.
0: Agreed, agreed, and
1: <laughs>
0: um, that's very cool.
2: So, Sandra, uh, you you talked about some of the technology that allows that you've deployed that allowed you know, the collective child to even exist. Uh, and I know that one of the things that has also um, been integrated into all of that or, or a result of that is the communication mechanism. Uh, you, you have, um, you've created a multifaceted form of communication stream that pulls together a number of different types of communication Uh, And then it gets centralized on your back end. Can you talk a little bit about the thinking behind that, what you've actually done and what that makes possible both now and what you, you know, maybe what what can be possible going forward?
1: Yeah. So what we did was going back to that service oriented, service driven model. Different people like to communicate in different ways some people enjoy email, some people enjoy going to an app, some people like to directly talk to someone on social media. And so we wanted to be able to capture, and, and some people do all three, right? Some some people can go on to our social media platform on Instagram and message us and then also email us and then go on their app and at checkout, tell us more information. And so we wanted to make sure that she felt like she was being heard, that everything that she was telling us, like, oh, I love that skirt that you just posted on social media or on checkout. She really liked this t-shirt, but wish it didn't have some ruffle, that all of that data that she was communicating to us was centralized and that we could use that information to better tailor the product assortment for the next box. And so That was a huge undertaking for us because we did need to centralize all of that information and make it, number one, incredibly convenient for her to communicate with us, but then also facilitate that process internally so that our team could digest that information in an effective and efficient way um, and do their job better um, from that. So, that was that was incredibly important i think I think there's still room to grow. I, it's something that I think about constantly um, but it it's definitely a huge advantage that that our our platform has been able to deliver and, and our members are um, i think that's why they stick around you know for so long with us.
2: Do you think that's been a part of driving sales? Versus providing value and and you know having retention, do you think that's also actually driven additional sales to existing customers? That that community.
1: Yeah, I th- probably both. Like I, I think the better the way that I see it, products sometimes be the same in five different websites. So what's going to make you buy that product in one versus the other? And to me, that always comes down to service, and so. Ultimately, yes, I'm driving sales, um, but I'm also driving loyalty and retention. And both all of those things are tied as one. We, we rarely see those things on their own. Um, all of those performance metrics are looked at every single day um, because uh, I, that's how we've been able to grow organically, right? And that's how we've been able to grow without investment, is by paying very close attention to all of those, those metrics.
0: I'm assuming businesses, and I don't want to say booming, but that, um, are are you noticing, um, any changes in people's, um, way they're using the membership, you know, in COVID times, pre-COVID comparison, um, and is there anything that you feel you're going to need to do post-COVID as people are, you know, as we come out of this? Um, your business is, you know, mainly online, so um, it's kind of an interesting way to think about things.
1: Just um, think about that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I imagine some of it is, uh, you know, how you communicate. Mainly, um, I'm sure you're you're it's the elephant in the room, so you have to talk about it to your customer, and you've made some changes already for them. So,
2: you you know, big part of you is the communication that you have. So, I'm sort of also curious on top of what Rebecca's asked if. You know, if the nature of communication from you has changed, given this current time, and how you've navigated that messaging both in terms of sensitivity and perhaps pivoting
1: communication's tricky um, in terms of how we've navigated this situation. Um, I think communication is important when you have something of value to provide or add. And so we've had to do a lot of thinking in terms of how we were communicating to our members on our response to COVID. There needed to be value associated with whatever we communicated. It, it didn't it was important for us to not just share our feelings and thoughts on this experience, but also what are we doing to, to improve ourselves and for them in, in this moment. And so in, when we sent the communication to our members, it was sort of like, here are the things that we're doing both internally, but also for you um and and that was in- incredibly rewarding in terms of the feedback that we received from that communication um because we were a little bit late in in those emails we, we wanted to be really really thoughtful with the messaging that we sent out and uh, I think it's important to be thoughtful right now I think they're We're living through an incredibly difficult time, but that's also incredibly emotional for lots of different reasons. And so being mindful of the emotions surrounding this situation is important um, for us and, and for me, so that we're making sensitive decisions, if that makes sense.
2: Can you give any examples of how your messaging has changed by making those sensitive decisions? Any tangible examples at all?
1: Well, I don't know that it's, it's changed, but it just is. These are unprecedented times. So I don't know that I have a reference on like, I would, I was doing this this way and now we're doing this this way because I, I don't think there are comparables um, to what's going on now. Um, I'll say this we we have not taken a sales position. we are not tra- we are not trying to push our company or be sales oriented in our messaging. That's the biggest change that we actually did implement early on. It didn't sit well with us to push our product to anybody current members or or outsiders so we we actually completely shut down our digital marketing strategy because we just, it didn't feel right uh, to do that. We wanted to focus on adding value to our current members instead of, uh, yeah, creating that, um, trying to create that, what felt for us was a, sort of like a disingenuine demand. We didn't, we didn't want to go that route. Um,
0: It is really interesting. I mean, I've been, um, I'm always curious how brands are communicating. So I practically have a separate email um, and how people are walking that line between, hey, here's a comfy bundle because we know you're at home. Um, and, And so they're selling to me. And then brands began to, and we don't know where we really are in this process, say, hey, we just want to know what you're up to. Um, and it's interesting in the collective child example, um, you know, what you might say. I actually was, uh, this is probably not going to be a funny joke to anyone who is homeschooling children right now, but it's not like you can be like, hey, here's some great clothing for your kids that you're going to have around your kitchen table. So um, on, on appropriateness, I, I would think it would be challenging.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I couldn't agree more. And it's, there isn't, it's not a, criticism on other brands, it's it's just incredibly difficult because you you're trying to balance surviving through this period, but also there's an incredibly powerful human aspect that you yourself are experiencing. So um, it there's no I don't know that there's the perfect answer or the perfect solution, but we at least are our position was to, and you know, not go the sales route and go. Our our email communication has been to provide activities or fun things to do while at home, um, and then service improvements. And so that's what we've tried to share. And um, we still share product shots on our Insta. That doesn't that doesn't change. We still have fun and exciting product that we want to showcase, but i i think it comes from a different uh angle when when you're not you know trying to like sell yeah yeah
2: I really that that's a that's a smart that's a smart positioning to take really sandra that's a you know i think i think brands have to be a friend right now they have to be uh the 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 those that help you get through this and say, look, I don't know if you're going to buy from me or not right now, but we're, we're together. I'm going to help you in a way that makes sense for me. And when we're on the uh, side of this, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll be two, two, two of the people standing in all this, and then we'll have a chance to continue our relationship. And that's, uh, that's really smart positioning. What, What do you think is next? Uh, when, you know, whatever the other side of this looks like, what do you have planned uh you know maybe you may have had some things in motion as as the covid situation uh, you know um uh developed that you know maybe you envision when this is all over or has this spurred new ideas for you that are the next things you want to try mm-hmm. what's next uh,
1: I- This has definitely spurred a lot of ideas. I think it's been a fantastic time to sit back and and really think through your brand strategy and um, the purpose of of your company's existence and how you're going to grow. So lots of different ideas. I can't say one concrete thing at the moment because as a young startup, that idea typically changes every 24 hours. And so... um, it's too soon to to say what will stick from here on, but I think there is uh, I think on the other side of this, there is an opportunity to engage with consumers much more differently than we have today, I think um there are going to be some significant cultural changes with consumer behaviors that are going to have, are going to be long lasting. And it's important to, to think about that and, um, you know, keep your ear on the ground and try to be as adaptive as possible, because what, what is important today might not be important in six months and what's important in six months might not be important in a year and a half from now. So um, it's trying to, be as adaptive as possible to to survive and and thrive post
2: COVID. So Sandra uh, let's switch it up a little bit and kind of take a look at the human side of Sandra as, as a person. Uh, What uh, you know, so you're in the luxury space. What, What to you in your own life, Sandra, feels like luxury? Uh, when you think of luxury, what's something that you are willing to do for yourself when you're able to, that that brings luxury to your life?
1: That luxury can take lots of different shapes or form, and it probably yeah, it
2: can be that extra pad of butter, a hundred percent. And honestly,
1: lux- <laughs> luxury today feels like walking to the park, so it's very. You
2: know, it's so funny. It's funny you say that. My wife and I took a walk yesterday. I think it was, and we were walking and there was sunlight in my eyes and a little breeze blowing at me and it truly, I felt like I had gone to a spa. Like that was like, <laughs> it meant that much. So I get that, sorry, go ahead.
1: Uh, no, but th- that's exactly right. I think luxury is gonna take on a very different meaning. The ability to travel to new cities new places um, has been an incredibly important part of my lifestyle. And so I'm um, looking forward to being able to do that uh, soon. I'm not sure when soon is, but hopefully soon. Um, and then every day, I think I can't shy away from the fact that I absolutely love product and uh, f- fashion. I'm, I love everything about product. And so having luxury to... Put on a dress or a pair of jeans and a blazer that make me feel a certain way on a specific day is, is a luxury that I definitely value. And I'm excited again, post COVID to be able to do that more frequently than I am now.
0: Sure. Um, so I don't know if you, um, you know, were born in this country, but you certainly made reference to, um, being international, um, so I'd uh, love for you to share with us, uh, you know, your favorite kind of, um, we talk a lot about food on this program, funny enough, even though we're talking about retail and clothing, favorite kind of snack or food that reminds you of home, home, not necessarily New York City home.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that that part of the segment was to bring snacks and I had the perfect <laughs> snack for original date. Aww. I was, I do. <laughs> um so I'm I'm getting was sorry now postponed but I was going to get married in May and so a, a couple of weeks before our interview we had the bridal shower and my mom so I'm originally from South America um Venezuela and but I'm also sort of a mishmash of lots of different cultures so my my father's Lebanese and my mom is is Venezuelan my grandparents are from for different other countries. And so, but anyways, <laughs> there we had um, these local sweets that are from Venezuela and they're made by um, like indigenous uh, tribes there. And so I, my mom was recently in Venezuela and so she had brought them and we had them at the bridal shower and we had some leftovers. So I was gonna... Like, share them with you guys. Oh my um, goodness. (laughs) It's quite a very specific sweet, but they're so, so, so good.
0: Amazing, amazing. And also, you know, just those things, I know taking a walk and fresh air and a breeze are a luxury, but that sounds wonderful, uh, like a luxury
1: as well.
2: So Sandra, we often like to, uh, offer our guests a chance to have a final word, perhaps share a final thought or reflection. It could be about this conversation or anything else that you'd like to leave behind for our listeners that might occur to you. Just, is there any perhaps final reflection you'd like to share?
1: I, I would like our industry to be kind <laughs> to one another. I think we're all of us will make aversion mistakes and we'll have missteps during this process. There are no perfect answers in, in COVID 19 world. And so, trying to be kind and understanding to our colleagues as they and all of us try to find the right solution and survivability, um, I think we'll go a long way. Um, there's, the, Of course, there's going to be criticism, but I think there's a real opportunity to, to find more understanding and kindness to those that might not have made the best decision um, throughout all of this.
2: So. so, Sandra, how can people connect with you and follow the things that you're doing?
1: So, connecting with a brand is through our Instagram account at the collective child and connecting with myself also through Instagram at Sandra McCarrum as well.
2: Fantastic. All right. Well, uh, Sandra, I really appreciate uh, your time. Uh, Sandra is, uh, Sandra McCarrum. She is a fashion vet and she is a founder and CEO of the collective child. And, uh, I really, uh, on behalf of, uh, Rebecca and and mouth media wish you the very best uh, through both the current pandemic situation. And as you continue to grow your brand, I think you're onto something pretty cool. And I hope that you're able to see it play out in accordance with your vision.
1: Thank you so much, you guys, for having me. This was a great uh, conversation. I appreciate it.
2: All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Really appreciate all of you joining us. Uh, It was really great to have you with us. I hope that you stay safe. And you stay well until next time for Rebecca Fitz.
0: Thanks guys.
2: I'm Mark Rayco Have a great day. Bye-bye.
0: This has been retail is your business produced by mouth media network copyright 2020. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at Thank you for listening. This is
1: Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect.